Nose tackle Eddie Goldman opts out of the Chicago Bears 2020 season, and I discuss the impact of that move and the top five players and position groups that will have the largest impacts on the Chicago Bears 2020 season, assuming no more opt-outs. It's all coming at you on this episode of Bear With Me. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network. And it's been a while, but I got to tell you why. I, just like everybody else, have had a whole lot of trouble producing football content, and credit to Lester Wiltfong for not having this issue amidst an offseason where, gracious alive, I can't be the only one that's felt like football was about to get canceled every other day. And yet, here we are, and it seems as if we're going to have a football season. Not just a delayed football season, but a football season. And while I don't really know how they're going to do it, considering that a contact sport like football seems as if it would be, I mean, the premier way to spread the virus, I'm going to just leave it to the experts and be excited that our team's seem to be getting set to play ball. And with that in mind, of course, we have to talk about the most noteworthy news we've gotten recently. No, it's not that the rookies took photos because this is being recorded on Sunday night, August 2nd. No, it's not that a couple people are on the COVID reserve list like Matthew Stafford and Gardner Minshew because that is effectively the illness recovery list. It's the fact that nose tackle Eddie Goldman has opted out of the 2020 season and considering the that in Fangio's defense, as well as Chuck Pagano's, he was one of the two linchpins behind stopping the run that's obviously going to hurt the Bears. Now, before I get into anything else, I have to say the obvious. Eddie, I respect your decision. It makes a lot of sense. From what I understand, and I'm no expert, again, COVID-19 seems to have an even more drastic effect on folks that are larger or have higher BMIs, and certainly a nose tackle like Goldman has one of those. And given that the opt-out not only is going to give him a neat little salary of at least $150,000, but also toll his contract, basically meaning it's going to take his money and it's going to move it into 2021, so he'll still have that four and a half million guaranteed in 2021 i don't blame him for taking the opt-out prioritizing health is important and any player who wants to opt out of the season should feel free to do so certainly i respect eddie's decision but moving on from that that obviously hurts the bears because the bears have basically played i don't want to call it a gimmick it's more like a cheat code on defense over the last couple of years where they put out akeem hicks and eddie goldman and with just those two guys they out of just about any package namely nickel can stop the run completely reliably this in my opinion is one of the things that i've been saying for a while was so key to the 2018 defense not 2019 in 2019 they didn't get run on near as often and of course hicks got hurt pretty quickly so that changed the balance of things drastically, as you'd expect. But in 2018, this was huge. Having Goldman, who was effectively the Robin to Akeem Hicks's Batman, was massive. And, of course, it's going to be quite the loss that the Bears don't have that in 2020. That said, I do think they have the more important player at still on the roster and still seeming like he'll be ready to play in Akeem Hicks, and hopefully we can see him bounce back. Now, from a contract perspective, 
Goldman's roster bonus because he had about seven and a half of a cap hit this year, seven and a half million in 2020, and three million of that was already paid earlier in the year. But the four and a half million that was guaranteed base salary moves into 2021 and is actually credited back to the Bears, moving their cap space up to around 16 million. So if they do want to bring in a proper replacement and not roll with John Jenkins, who honestly I, I don't know much about other than, as I understand it, he's kind of the Ted Larson of the nose tackle position. Ted Larson, if you remember, was an incredibly replacement level NFL right guard. John Jenkins seems to be a replacement level nose tackle, though replacement level at that position, because it's slightly less common as positions go, is a little better than, say, right guard. I know the NFL can't get enough offensive linemen, so you shouldn't expect Jenkins to be bad, and certainly he can fill the role, though he's no Goldman, and Goldman is paid what he is for a reason. But with him opting out, he becomes, I believe, one of eight nose tackles to opt out recently, so he's by no means the only one to do this, and he does leave the Bears, let's not call it high and dry, but we'll say in a precarious position. And they could address this by going out and signing a bigger name free agent. I know guys like Snacks Harrison are still out there on the free agent market, though they may just opt out if they don't get what they want, very similar to New Orleans or former Saints right guard Larry Warford, who opted out recently, and potentially more opt-outs to come as I believe the deadline is Tuesday night which may mean that some veterans get their first taste of camp before saying nah I don't want to play anymore and that's definitely something we'll need to monitor but as it stands if it is Jenkins I guess the best thing I could say is this is a big loss for the Bears but at least they have Akeem Hicks I'm never going to say Eddie Goldman is a bad lineman Ever. He's a very, very, very good defensive lineman, and he does more against the pass than I would expect of a common nose tackle. But if you go back and watch 2018, you should see exactly what I see, and that's that Akeem Hicks was on a different level. A lot of guys aren't saying this, and I don't blame them. This is very crazy thing that I'm right about to say. But when I watch Aaron Donald, that same level of dominance was what Hicks displayed all throughout the 2018 season. And I don't know how well he's going to come back from injury. I'm always wary whenever a player comes back from injury. So I'm not about to pronounce Hicks totally healthy yet. But if he can get back even near that 2018 level, gracious, he was demolishing teams. I mean, I'm not going to say he beat Minnesota by himself in 2018, but he came darn close. He was a monster against tons and tons of teams in both the run and the pass, making him a true three-down threat in a way that, while I love the guy, somebody like Khalil Mack struggles to be, because on a first-down run that goes straight up the middle, Hicks needs to make the play. Your edge defender just can't quite get there. And even on stretch runs outside the numbers, a guy like Hicks, if he dominates his man well enough, which he's done before, he can make a play on that too. Just about anything other than an outright pitch play when it comes to running the ball is something that Hicks can affect. And considering how rarely that stuff gets used, I have high hopes that the man in the middle, Akeem Hicks, who I believe is the Bears defense's heart and soul just about, can continue to fill in 
admirably with a lesser player next to him in Jenkins. But if Hicks is getting all the attention, hey, who knows? Last time we saw a depth guy fill in in Nick Williams, I thought he played better than we expected, and certainly Detroit did too with the offer that they signed him to. So I guess we'll raise our hands. We'll say, who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. But Goldman's loss is a big one. Certainly, I this means that I expect the Bears to play a bit more base. While most teams are switching to nickel, and the Football Outsiders almanac is pretty pretty prominent in this, as you see most defenses play nickel about 50% of the time, just about everybody but Seattle, that is. I'm really interested to see how this is going to affect the Bears. You gotta wonder whether this is going to make them vulnerable or more vulnerable to the run, but... I'm more than willing to wait and see, because while Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan are not elite anti-run linebackers, Akeem Hicks is, again, the real deal, and is assuming he comes back even kind of close to that 2018 level, or healthy, or whatever you want to call it, the Bears should be, let's call it fine, against the run. And we'll just have to hope that some of that 2019 stuff, like their game against the Raiders, just doesn't resurface. But... I mean, that's about as much as I got. I wish I had more as an analyst in this case, but with Goldman opting out and not a ton behind him because he's been as healthy as he has been, I don't really know what the defense looks like without him. I just know that he was absolutely money taking on double teams in 2018. In 2019, he started to struggle when the double teams could specifically target him. We know that we saw this in uh, London, as a matter of fact, against the Raiders, that they were throwing lower blocks at him. I remember that coming up. And other teams started to generally just change the way he needed to be targeted or run away from him because he was able to make a lot of plays. So we'll need to see something out of Jenkins if the Bears don't want to take a step back but hopefully with big names like Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, we can hope that Bilal Nichols could take a step forward because this would be a big opportunity for him in base packages and on the end that the Bears will be able to manufacture the same kind of run defense that they have. Maybe not the same, but fairly good run defense compared to what they've been able to muster in the past and still keep the onus on throwing the ball which of course is where the Bears want to be given that they just signed Robert Quinn still have Khalil Mack and guys like Eddie Jackson in the backfield and all that brings me to now that Goldman's gone talking about a bit of an updated top five players and player groups list. This is very similar to the list that Lester Wiltfong posted over the last couple of weeks where he went through his top 10, but being as it's a podcast and I'm doing a solo show tonight, I'm going to keep it to top five just for brevity. We'll go in inverse order, starting from five and climbing towards one, and at the end, I'll provide some honorable mentions, some notable leave-offs, whatever you want to call it, the people that I thought about but didn't include, as well as some reasoning, and you guys can tell me where you think they should have gone if you disagree with my list. But without further ado, we'll jump right into it, and we'll start with number five, where I put the pass rush. And you could call this the edge defenders if you wanted to. This is where, of course, I couldn't make a top 10 list and leave off the face of the franchise, Khalil Mack, and new added signing Robert Quinn, 
both of whom were fabulous pass rushers in 2019 and even better in 2018 if you want to look at Mac specifically. Robert Quinn was really incredible in 2019. Mac was incredible in 2018. Each was good in the year that the other wasn't mentioned. And that sets up really, really well for a 2020 pass rush that, especially if different players are missing time, not that I would wish COVID on anybody, but if a lineman is out, then that means that there's going to be an opportunity against a backup lineman. Now, Robert Quinn is somebody to watch in particular here, not just in the breakdown sense, because he is really the speed rush threat that Leonard Floyd never was, but also because his health is a strange bird to talk about. Robert Quinn has had everything from seizure issues to other random injuries that honestly I can't remember off the top of my head, but he's somebody to watch that might potentially opt out of the season as well. Though, we'll see if he does that. This is a big year for him as a, I believe he's a 32-year-old, so he's in either the late stages of his prime or the first couple years of his decline. So this is a big year for him to perform. But if he takes the opt-out, his contract could toll to next year, and the Bears could start his effective two-and-a-half-year deal a year late. So an opt-out is on the table, and I am holding my breath when it comes to Robert Quinn until then. But as long as he hasn't opted out yet, this Bears pass rush looks ferocious. I'm curious to see what Gibson can bring the edge rusher out of, I believe, the fourth round again going off the top of my head, but I'm not anticipating tons from him. It's really about Mac and Quinn, and who's surprised? They make the list at number five. They do their job. A lot of quarterbacks are going to be in trouble in the NFC North. And making the list at number four is the guy who should stand to benefit the most from that pass rush. It's Eddie Jackson. Now, Eddie Jackson had what ranged between an unproductive year in 2019 and a down year, and I actually lead more towards the former. I talked about this in a couple of my breakdown videos. I can't remember if I talked about it on a podcast before, but Eddie Jackson became a feared name in 2019, and this meant that quarterbacks would do just about everything they could not to throw at him. According to ESPN's coverage statistics, there was nobody with tighter coverage and more productive coverage, if you will, than Eddie Jackson. He just didn't collect a lot of interceptions and didn't deflect a ton of passes because people kind of just stopped throwing at him. I called it the Ed Reed treatment. You could see it pretty clearly in Kirk Cousins' first game against the Bears in Soldier Field, but he found where Eddie Jackson was, and he wouldn't throw it, I mean, within a country mile of the guy. If Eddie Jackson was on the left side of the field, Kirk just looked the other way. It didn't matter whether he was about 10 yards away from Stefan Diggs or not. He wasn't going to get the ball because Kirk wasn't going to give Eddie Jackson a chance to make a play on it. I think that kind of respect is awesome. And it's something I love to see when it comes to one of my favorite players at this position of deep cover safety that can have such a big impact on a team's deep passing game. In 2020, that changes a little bit. A little bit, though. The Bears need Jackson to be a little more than just a feared name and a really good cover guy. They probably need the picks, too, and the big-time plays that made him so known in 2018, as well as the rest of his career. No, I'm not going to sit here and bang the table and say, Eddie Jackson, we need touchdowns! But I am going to say that we could use a couple more picks in a team that if they can manufacture the kind of pass rush that we're hoping they can and avoid getting run over without Goldman, they should push teams deep if they can manufacture leads on offense. That's a big if. 
I know. But the point is, is that if the Bears' strategy works similar to 2018, which is, if you remember, manufacture an early lead, press on them with defensive pass rush and run stuffing, and force them to just chuck the ball deep, Eddie Jackson will get his opportunities, and it's on him to cash in on them. He is the all-star in the backfield. He is the crown jewel of the back half of the defense, everything other than the front four, back seven, if you will, and we need him to play like it. He makes my list at number four. Now, at number three, I've got another position group, and somewhere deep down, you know that I'm going to say the offensive line here because you better believe I am. The offensive line absolutely needs to play well in 2020. They have to step forward. There's not a lot of choices, and it feels weird because... When you talk about the offensive line too much, you start to realize that Bears fans, including myself, are all kind of counting on Juan Castillo to take a unit that was better pass blocking than a lot of the stats say in 2019, very good pass blocking in 2018, but abysmal in the running game in both of the last two years, and turn them into something very respectable on both ends of the ball. The Bears need it. Lester and I talked about it in that long offensive line breakdown video I did recently, but the Bears offensive line kind of has question marks on every position. Charles Leno, James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, uh, Jermaine Ifedi, and Bobby Massey all have reasons to doubt them, but I'll take the optimistic approach, uh, if you will, and say that I think they can actually turn it into a pretty decent unit, considering that fan, we'll call it the least favorite here, Charles Leno, the left tackle, is, I think, one of their best run blockers and best pass blockers. I think that there is room to grow here because James Daniels certainly can be a better pass blocker and probably a better run blocker too than Leno. Leno's kind of that average floor. Cody Whitehair is a very capable center. And also, uh, one other thing I'll mention here that just to summarize that big video I did with Lester, when it came to Whitehair and Daniels, most of their problems last year came with that position switch. Bears fans, you knew it somewhere. That when the Bears swapped their positions, they were kind of poking the devil and seeing what he'd do, and he did us wrong. The Bears had real issues on the left guard and center position when it came to dealing with stunts. You saw multiple times that guys would blow through the line and no one would pick them up. You saw multiple times that the wrong guy would pick somebody up, that they would just lose their edge on a stunt because they weren't 100% sure where they needed to be, who was their guy, and everything in between. I think these are things that can get ironed out this year as they probably maintain the positions that they've always played. That is Daniels at left guard and Whitehair at center. And while they're both probably, while Daniels ideally was a center, and that's certainly a bummer that he didn't play well there. And while I do think Whitehair struggles with those shotgun snaps, people have documented that like crazy. I'll take the optimistic approach once again, point out that Whitehair has been a stout center uh, all his career as long as he's played there outside of the snaps, and point out that that left side of the line up to the middle looks pretty good. If Jermaine Ifedi walks in and can run block well, the Bears have some nasty then in the running game, and Bobby Massey just needs to rebound and while he's easily the one I'm least optimistic about, given that, as I understand it, tackles start to age decay around his ripe age of 31, 32, 33, I think he's 32, we can just hold our breath and hope that maybe we only have one issue in the offensive line and it's right tackle instead of kind of an issue at every spot. Also, this is where I need to plug that James Daniels has had some recent photos taken of him, and oh my gosh, the guy looks huge. I mean, like, 
huge. It's hard to describe what I'm saying without just going and seeing the picture, but just search James Daniels 2020. It should pop up. The guy looks much more grown into his body, if you will, than the 21-year-old-looking kid that we've seen take the field over the last couple years. That's exciting. We'll see if his athleticism can move well with all of that mass, but he looks massive, and I'm very, very, very excited to see if that helps him in the running game, where he made some nice blocks as a left guard, but let's see him. Let's see if we can get a real all-star here. That would be a knockout out of the second round. Offensive line easily makes number three. And number two is a guy that we've already actually talked about so far in the show. It's Akeem Hicks. The whole primary reason I made this list, honestly, was to illustrate just how important I think Akeem Hicks has become for the 2020 Bears defense and the Bears as a whole. And that's because with Goldman out, he kind of has to be Batman without a Robin. That's not to say that the Bears don't just go prove me wrong tomorrow walk out, sign Snacks Harrison or some other, again, massive name to hold up that spot right next to Hicks. But if the Bears don't do that, let's say they pull in another right guard. Let's say they just roll over their $16 million in cap to try to relieve some of the strain that they're placing on themselves in 2021. Akeem Hicks needs to be special either way. He may not get another body. He may not get extra help. And if that's the case, he's got to really shine. He's going to be huge in the middle of that defense, especially since I think Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith are both better not taking on blockers than they are trying to take them on. If we had a Tremaine Edmonds or somebody else like that in the inside backer position, I might feel a little bit better about this, but we don't. The Bears need guys that can soak double teams and soak them well. And that's something that Goldman was especially good at. It's something that Hicks is really good at. But with Goldman out, we need the backup guy to play pretty well. But I'm going to put Hicks at this spot, number two in the list. Again, just to illustrate, he is of the utmost importance. And the Bears need a huge season from him in 2020 without his partner next to him. He easily makes my number two spot. And the only reason he didn't make number one is because you know I have to put the quarterback at number one. I have talked about this extensively. You know, I was really worried that this number one spot was just going to be the name Mitchell Trubisky. And that's not because I can't stand Trubisky or something. It's because I got really scared when I saw those reports that suggested that Nick Foles was considering opting out for the 2020 season. That contract and its structure doesn't make a lot of sense in 2021 when the Bears would likely draft a rookie they would just have a really good backup instead of a potential fringe starter that can show us Matt Nagy's offense and distribute the ball effectively but you guys have heard me talk about Foles the point is I was really worried he wasn't even going to be in this conversation and I much more prefer a quarterback competition whether it's Mitch or Foles that wins it than I do just picking one guy and rolling with it may the best man win but of course the quarterback is going to be the be-all and the end-all in this 2020 offense and we need them to play well or at least decently and that's the top five that I've got like I said I'm going to talk about honorable mentions now, guys that I know deserve to be mentioned in any setting of top 10 most important, whether they play well or poorly. Of course, Allen Robinson is of 
massive importance, but he's so steady and so good. I didn't think he needed to be mentioned compared to the pass rush. I couldn't find a way to work Jalen Johnson and Kyle Fuller in because if that was the case, I would have had to switch Eddie Jackson to a defensive backs option and then it just kind of felt like I was starting to include the whole team. So I left it Eddie Jackson. Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson both going to be very important at those cornerback spots as well as Buster Screen. But eh, we'll see what happens at the nickelback position. Maybe Duke Shelley or Kendall Vildor surprises there. The inside linebackers are also very important. Certainly Danny Trevathan has a surprisingly big financial impact to live up to. His deal is not small. And as I keep looking at it, I keep asking myself, man... Pace really signed him to that. Danny Trevathan's making good money. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it does stretch until like 2025 as a fiscal impact. So we're going to need to see him bounce back well from that broken arm and Roquan to take the step forward that uh, we were kind of hoping he'd take last year. But hopefully his sophomore slump is behind him. And the last guy that I haven't heard a lot of discussion about, but might have snuck in there at number five if there weren't so many other options, is Eddie Pinheiro because the Bears' kicking position was not solved in 2019. That was something that I don't think we came out with a clean answer on whether Eddie Money was the guy. Yes, we had the amazing kick to win in Denver in Week 2, but from there, things kind of started to spiral. I know, I know. Matt Nagy gets a lot of heat for taking a knee in Week 8 against San Diego. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers but that was a 43 yard field goal from I think what the supposed preferred hash was not Eddie's he wanted it in the middle we've been down that road but the point is a very makeable kick there inside of 40 yards and by week 11 I believe it was against the Rams you could tell Matt Nagy just had no idea what to do at that medium to long range and while Eddie was known as being Eddie the leg he missed a bunch of kicks there in that mid to late part of the season where the Bears really needed points and a lot of games started to go in a lot of different directions. People forget that Eddie's inconsistency was probably part of the reason Matt Nagy went for it on a couple of pretty sad fourth downs. A lot of them went against us. I'm not suggesting that Nagy couldn't have made better play calls in those settings. A lot of those play calls looked, I mean, at best disjointed, at worst abysmal and pathetic, but... A better kicker allows you to just take the three points. The Bears rarely seemed like they were set up to do that unless they drove right into the heart of the red zone, and that's a bummer. That's one that I really am keeping my eyes on. I would love to see the Bears bring in some kind of competition at kicker because I don't think Eddie earned a free spot, but hey, you can't do everything in one offense or offseason and certainly pace through everything he could at the tight end position a couple of others you wonder if he, we got enough at kicker and offensive line but you shrug your shoulders and you say hey we'll see and if it works out great and if it doesn't we'll complain about it then but that's my list guys uh that's my top five i'm curious to hear what you think about it and frankly that about buttons up the show for this week so if you like to hear from me please follow me on twitter at robert k schmitz check out my youtube channel at run pass opinion primarily bear stuff working up on something on Tariq cohen now we'll see when it comes out hopefully soon because i've got some really cool insights that i can't wait to share with y'all and until next time bears fans bear down and thanks so much for bearing with me.